You know what you're listening to, right? Three, two, one. Uzima Health and Wellness. What the doctor say? Welcome to the Uzima Health and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kendra Outler. We are talking about the social political determinants of health. We are talking about health disparity. We are giving you the questions that you need to be asking. Let's talk family. Hi, I'm Tamara G. And welcome to What the Doctors Say podcast with our very own Dr. Kendra Outler, MD. She is an anesthesiologist based in the DMV. You may know her from her platform, myuzema.org. She's dedicated to addressing health disparity and also helping us understand health equity. And her frequent talks on BDO, that's blackdoctor.org, are amazing. You should see them if you haven't. Or you can always listen to her here at What the Doctors Say. Dr. K, how did you come up with that name? You know, I get so tickled um, when I hear patients after I walk out of the room go, what the doctors say? (laughs) And so it just stuck to me that, you know, sometimes they say listen or the doctor speaks. But, you know, you always have to ask yourself, what the doctors say? And I've had to ask my relative or ask my dad, what the doctor say, dad? And so however you say it, you better say it. And so that people know that you're very interested in what the doctors say. That's right. it. <laughs> well, we are interested in what the doctors say. And Dr. K, as a doctor, I am sure that you are, I don't even know what word to do. I would say reeling maybe from the Roe versus Wade reversal. I think it has hit this country um, finally that some things are you know, falling apart from the top down. Uh, This is a pivotal moment in American history, American medical history. How do we not feel powerless in this? Because it just seems like the power has been taken out of our hands. You know, Tamara, uh, this is, that's a very good question. I mean, and I've been analyzing, how do we get here? Uh, I recently read this book by attorney Daniel Dawes called The Political Determinants of Health. It is is helping me to connect the dots uh, to how we uh, as a nation can have such a setback. Uh, First, let me say that I've had the pleasure of meeting Attorney Dawes, and and he's the author of two books, 150 Years of Obamacare and the Political Determinants of Health. He is the executive director of the David Satcher Institute in Atlanta, and he is the leading expert on the conversation about racism and medicine. Uh, and he recently uh, testified in, in Congress about the lasting effects of racism in healthcare. Uh, so, you know, his book, The Political Determinants of Health, is actually uh, something that I've opened up and read recently so that I can understand uh, how we can reverse such a uh, landmark decision, um, how the Supreme Court can reverse that, um, something that has great implications on the health of, of women and men, to be honest with you, in, this, in, the, in the U.S. So uh, Attorney Dawes has written this book about the political determinants. Now, I've heard about social determinants like housing and education, but apparently there's also political determinants too to health. Yeah, I mean, we, we always... Um, you know, I always think about housing, geography, transportation. 
but the po- political determinants of health. Uh, what Doctor, uh, what the, uh, Attorney Dawes uh, makes, he makes the point that we we're too focused on the downstream uh, determinants of health. For example, looking at only an individual, what did that person do to get monkeypox? Let's just say mm-hmm. uh, um, we're looking at the community uh, levels. For example, COVID deaths on the Indian reservation um, versus looking upstream as what he calls it at a broader level, at broader levels to address structures, processes and outputs that result in, the, in our inequities. Um, his, his guide to understanding that, that uh, one of the major exacerbating dis, uh, factors exacerbating the, the disparities in health is our political system. And he know. That's a great, I never thought about that. I mean, seriously, now that you're saying it out loud, it is absolutely our congressmen and senators and um, elected officials who, who none of them, most of them don't have a, a doctor's degree uh-huh. that are making determinants on what is good for our health and well-being. Uh-huh. When maybe they aren't the ones to do that. Well, that's true. I think that, uh, well, he does make the point that they are ultimately making our decisions. I mean, uh, we do have to start at the advocacy level and go up. But again, when we think about how things become dismantled, we do need to start to think of that process that is what he describes as upstream, what is happening upstream. And then therefore we can kind of come up with a game plan and the community level or as an individual to, to push a certain agenda, support a certain agenda, because ultimately we have to know how our government works. And and as we see now, our government can work to uh, set us back. Mm. And so there are conditions like, I know this is one of the ones that you are really into maternal deaths Mm -hmm. um, and maternal morbidity, early infant deaths, gun violence, very important um, in our communities, opioid addiction, that's that's affecting everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess he's talking about those are also some political determinants that are having these conditions stay around. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing that, you know, as we as you as he uh, writes this book so eloquently, you know, describing, you know, that there are conditions that uh, have lend themselves to kind of uh, being being able to flourish, if you will, uh, because of inaction of our politicians. And for instance, one of them is uh, maternal maternal morbidity mortality. I mean, you have to uh, understand that states can regulate how long a woman can be covered for her health care after having a baby. And what we know about science, you know, the, 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 the science behind when a woman may die or get sick, you know, is we're, we see most of these cases after the baby's born. So if you limit how much, how long she can have insurance, or if she uh, gets pregnant again, how do you, she has to go back and get insurance again, we're creating barriers to healthcare. Uh, one of the, um, may, maybe the most relatable one is gun violence. We're seeing a surge, uh, you know, sadly we had another mass shooting yesterday and we have to remember that all mass shootings are not getting the same attention. So we saw one yesterday, but trust and believe there was probably another one. Uh, but what he says in this book is that, you know, the NRA, they, you know, we always say NRA, but what is it about the NRA? And I didn't understand this until I read his book that they have effectively lobbied and pushed lawmakers to terminate funding for gun violence research at the CDC. 
And that's the Centers for Disease Control. And I thought, you know, okay, so they, they lobby a lot, right? So we have these lobbyists that do this uh, for certain interest groups. And so they got this policy writer known as the Dickey uh, Amendment. Imagine that a name, the Dickey Amendment uh, that, that was passed in 1996. And this effectively uh, banned uh, gun violence research and has created this whole absence of research involving the impact of firearms in a community. Communities like, you know, Black communities in Chicago, communities that we're seeing now that are pretty much reeling from gun violence. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I didn't know that as a physician that that would then limit my practice, my ability, spoken or unspoken, to ask questions when I interview a patient about whether they are either being exposed to gun violence, whether there's a gun in the home. And you never really think about that until like you read it in his book that you're right as an ER physician and particularly one that took care of adults and children that I, if I saw a gun uh, shot victim, I didn't put down on, on the data sheet gun was in the home. And so you think about, well, why is that important? Uh, it's important because you can correlate zip codes. Now we get back into the social determinants of health and how the social determinants of health and political determinants of health now both matter and both mm-hmm. are very important. But this Dickey Act, which was lobbied by the NRA, is effectively why we don't have the necessary research um, to then bring to our policymakers and say, this is not uh, this is uh, not good for us. If you're just tuning in to what the doctors say, we have Dr. Kendra Outler. She's an anesthesiologist based in the DMV, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia area, DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And we certainly appreciate her uh, giving her expertise today, talking about attorney Daniel Dahl's new book, Political Determinants of Health. Um, And we are just learning that everything is not a social determinant. There's political determinants as well. And it's a very academic book, seems very detailed. Is it, will the lay person be able to understand it? Someone like me who doesn't really, you know, know all the medical terms and the things that uh, attorney Dawes talks about. I think this book is a must read. Um, it, you know, of course, you know, we have to think about uh, the sophistication of the book, uh, but the political determinants of health is broken down to three very relatable uh, pieces. Um, and, and what he's been able to do is, is bring together uh, full circle the issues uh, that we are we are um, confronting. But what, you know, if there's nothing that you can take away from this book as a lay person, you should appreciate that we all know voting. We've heard that word before. Um, that is the first uh, determinant of political health. The first, you know, the determinant of political health as he describes it, the, the vote or the act of voting. I mean, we are facing voter apathy. You know, uh, you know, COVID has done beat us down. We think, well, why did we do all this marching, voting? The police violence has all has has really just beat us down. Like we did have another shooting of an unarmed black man with 60 bullets. I mean, you know, you can imagine those communities feel like, what am I voting for? Uh, but voting is your political power. And, and it's your right. To do so it is your right, and 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 voting on uh, mass and in communities it depends on your demographics. Uh, that's why people go have to go door to door. Stacey Abrams, I mean, her campaign uh, has been um, it's on the ground. 
Yeah, she has been a boots on the ground. This is the way you reach black people. And this demographic, this is what they need. Uh, they don't need high technology, which is what he said is in this whole like barrel of, of uh, words in terms of, of what voting means. It's, it's demographics. It's technology. How do you reach the voter? Money. OK, campaign financing. That's what that's about. And, and uh, so you have to to also reach engagement. How do you engage certain people who have 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 reached voter apathy? Do we go to the church? Do we knock on the door? Where do you find the most people? You know, President Obama won because he got engagement up. You know, he got the people interested in him, you know, and I remember uh, walking down to the University of Chicago's and this, you know, like, what's this man Obama talking about? He's going to be the next black, the first black president. And I walked down there, you know, he's, I mean, there might've been a hundred people in the audience and this man won. How? Because he got people to vote. He got the engagement. He understood his demographics. He understood technology. And yes, the money came. Um, and the part of that, too, I want to add um, just for people who are listening is if you don't vote, you cannot complain. You can't complain when they take away your ACA or when they cut your Medicaid or your Social Security or anything else that has been helping you to survive mm-hmm. because you didn't vote. That's and right. they feel like they can just do and, and you know, I'm not saying whether it's Republicans or Democrats or whomever, but mm-hmm. if you don't vote, then they feel like, oh, well, we can just do whatever we want to do well, versus you- voting for a candidate that is aligned with your beliefs. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, when people don't vote, it comes to the second determinant of health, the political determinant of health, and that is government. You, you, we are, you know, have to we have to be students of how our government works. And I don't know about you, but I remember Texas, since we're both from Texas, taking uh, U.S. government history and we had to take what Texas government, Texas government as well. Absolutely. Had to take these classes. And it's a disservice to take uh, those classes away from young people and have a a group of uh, young people not really understand the power of the vote the branches of government and what each branch is supposed to do. Um, So, you know, we have to understand that when we're looking at policies and we're looking at laws, the way the government kind of, you know, works is that, you know, it's kind of selfish. Is this going to be good for the government, which uh, attorney Dawes talks about, you know, there were policies in place uh, because basically we found out that we would not have a recruitable military force if we did not address certain things like mental health, you know, mm-hmm. that we did not provide mental health services. And so, you know, we've been able to push some of those um, issues and legislations about uh, mental health uh, care to the top, you know, um, and then, you know, we balance that off with commercial interest, you know, and then we go back to gun control and gun violence. Uh, we also go to special interest groups uh, and, you know, with this re- latest, um, verdict um, from the Supreme Court, you know, we're, we're not really sure what was at play, but we have to figure it out because in order to reverse it, in order to move forward, we've got to figure out what the special interests were. Was it more on the government side uh, or was it more on the commercial side? And that's Roe versus Wade that you're speaking about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as he continues to give, uh, he also in this book continues to give examples of how the Supreme Court um, has ruled. And some of these rulings have set us back as a nation. 
Tamara, what I love about what Attorney Dawes does is he doesn't just present the problem. He defines what the political determinants of health is. He um, also tells us about the important role of advocacy. And he tells us that, you know, at the heart of the health equity movement are health equity proponents who must directly act to address the ramifications of the political determinants of health. They must connect the dots for stakeholders that show how voting, government, and policy impact our ability to lead healthy and quality lives. It is critical, it is crucial not to leave it up to the to trust uh, because the government is a human institution where individuals are making de the decisions and are responsible for its evolution. Those closest to the policy move the infrastructure forward, which is why people matter. I just love that piece by him. Uh, he talks about advocacy as, you know, having these, these components, due diligence, negotiation, introspection, and then direct action. Love it. So the first determinant of political health is the vote or the act of voting. Second determinant of health is government, how that works along with the um, Supreme Court. And so what is the third part of the, the third? The third part uh, determinant of, uh, of, of the political determinants of health is policy. What becomes policy. And so you can have an overreaching policy, uh, overarching policy that the government says, and then you can have states policies. Right now, what we're seeing are states saying this will be our policies. And I think the most relatable thing is, you know, as a nation trying to get everybody to uh, put a mask on, you know, public health policy, then, then, you know, became, well, my state is, doesn't have mass mandates, your state does. So we actually just experienced this whole idea of policy and policy mandates, vaccine, not to get vaccinated, uh, you know, those types of, uh, you know, that, that's how I think our latest implementation of policy mandates that we've had to struggle with. And I truly believe that those were probably what you just mentioned were some of the most ridiculous things that we wasted time arguing about. People were in, up in arms because you asked them to wear a mask. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, even if it if you didn't think that it saved you, then just do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Just so that, you know, if for whatever reason you didn't blow on somebody or somebody sneezed on you, you had a mask on to keep some of that contaminant out of your nose and mouth so that you don't get COVID. I just, I thought it was ridiculous that people went to such lengths to, to not wear a mask. I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? This is what is bothering you in 2022. Okay. So what, whatever, everybody each to each his own, I guess. Well, well, that's what he says, uh, you know, kind of clearly what happens with policy. Policy will define the vision and policy outlines the priorities. It may have, it was a priority to me and you. We saw that for other people. Again, I traveled during that time. They clearly did not believe that it was a priority. Uh, and uh, policy allows for uh, people to build a consensus and it is designed to inform the public. So what the, you know, like I said, our most recent example 
uh, was the uh, mask mandate and vaccines, you know, for, for some healthcare workers like myself, uh, this is a very clear and necessary policy. Uh, so, you know, the political determinants of health, uh, it's a great read. Uh, I think it's something is right now in the wake of this recent decision, it is a, a must read, particularly for students of public health, but for someone, you know, like yourself, Tamara, this is something that you really should uh, begin to study and understand and digest uh, because there are chapters in there that are speaking directly to people out in the community uh, who have a wide reach as, you know, as yourself as a radio host. All right. Sounds good. So pick it up. The Political Determinants of Health by Attorney Daniel Dawes. He is the executive director of the David Satcher Institute and also a leading expert on the conversation about racism in medicine. He has testified before Congress about the lasting effects of racism in healthcare. You might want to pick it up. Uh, I'm going to be doing the same thing just because I need to know more. And that's, you know, what you need to do. <laughs> I'm Tamara G. Again, what the doctors say podcast with our very own Dr. Kendra Outler, uh, who is an anesthesiologist based in the DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Dr. Outler, before we go, any last words? Uh, you know, I want to tell people, you know, again, use your voice, use your political voice um, and study uh, government. And uh, again, reading books, like I said, by uh, people like uh, Daniel Dawes will help you become more informed and not feel powerless. And as you as you join groups to advocate for your communities, understand uh, what you're fighting for and what you're fighting against. Thank you so much, Dr. Outler. What the Doctor Say podcast. Until next time, I'm Tamara G. See you. What the Doctor Say.